Hey guys, welcome to my video. My name is Dr. Tom LeHue. Welcome to my channel. And as always, in the description below is a link to my website, TomLeHue.com, where you can book Enneagram coaching appointments. Also, there's information about the uh, certificates I offer in Enneagram coaching. Um, I'd love to see you enroll in one of those and uh, study with other people around the world. And thanks to my patrons, I really appreciate your support over on Patreon. I know you don't have to do it, and I just appreciate it. All right, so we're going to be talking about Type 6s today. And we're going to be looking at the book, uh, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up by Beatrice Chestnut. What a great book. Okay, and she has this little introduction, like a little story about each type. And um, <clears throat> then she has a checklist. And that's what we're interested in, is getting to that checklist. And of course, you can see I've written some notes down uh, to help me in, in my preparation. So let's go through the little story, um, and then we'll go to uh, the checklist. So if you are a type six, or you have a type six in your life that you love and are trying to relate to, I hope this video is helpful to you to know more about yourself, know more about the people that uh, you interact with. To see your blind spots and uh, maybe to overcome them a little bit, push back a little bit against that personality and be more present to life. Okay, so type sixes. Before we even get started, I want to say, look, I love type sixes. I love all the types, but I love type sixes. My mom was a type six, six wing five. My daughter, Olivia, is a six wing seven. I'm a seven wing six. And when I read through a book on type on all the Enneagram types and I get to six, I'm like, man, that is, yeah, absolutely. I'm right there. I'm with you almost 80%. And then I read seven and I'm like, okay, yes, I'm definitely a seven. But I can really get my mind into that six, you know, way of thinking. And she begins by saying six, you know, is the path from fear to courage. And let me just start by saying, you know, we all know that Fear is the passion or fear is the sin of the seven or of the six. And let me just say the sevens, ours is gluttony. We'll get to that next video. But fear, let me just say that I have felt fear. Um, I mean, all of us have, right? I mean, all of us have from time to time. But you know that anxiety that keeps you up at night where you're just worried about, is this person upset with me? Or am I going to get in trouble at work? Or, you know, is this going is this, to, is this not going to work out the way I want it to? Let me just say that the little bit that I experience of fear, I'm not a six, so it's not my, not my deal. But the little bit of it that I do experience, it's awful. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like being worried or being anxious or being upset or, or um, you know, having to plan through what could happen. Like, like, I hate that feeling. That is an awful feeling. I mean, it is like a wave. It feels like a wave of just like this gray darkness. And it's like, oh, man. So I, I, I cannot imagine what it must be like to, to have, like, if, if what I'm reading about sixes is true. I can't imagine what it must feel like on the inside. And, you know, that's true of all the types. Like, I can't imagine living with that inner critic of a one, you know, and so on. But I just want to say my uh, my encouragement to you as six is that the little bit of six that I have, it, it's, it's, a, it's an overwhelming feeling when that fear strikes, when that anxiety strikes. You know, that panic, that getting called down to the principal's office. As a seven, when I got called down to the principal's office, I was like, oh, he must want a prayer partner. So, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. What do you want? What do you want? What can I do for you? 
<clears throat> my voice is a little bit jacked up with all the winter. You know, it's 70 degrees down here in, in uh, Daytona. So, winter time. All right. Um, still. <clears throat> all right. So, let's let's dig in and let's... I want to begin by saying, too, that I think if you're around sixes, like if you got a six in your life, they may not look scared at all. So, it's kind of like a misnomer to think, oh, you know, the six is like piglet. Uh, you know, always nervous, always... Always upset, always panic. I think a lot of times, you know, sixes can look very calm, very cool. I said they can look that way. Um, so I think it's important to keep that in mind that sixes aren't always going to look the proverbial way we think they're going to look. A little better, but all right. So let's talk about type sixes. Let's read through. Let's think through. You know, this scenario of what it was like for six to come into the world. She has the chap at the beginning of each chapter on each type. She has this little story, like a little fairy tale, like what it was like for this person to come into the world. Once upon a time, there was a person named Six, and she came into this world, or he came into this world, with this capacity to be courageous. You know, like with this sense of like um, being strong, being courageous, and at some point, you know, that became difficult to, to be courageous. Um, there was also a tendency to maybe experience themselves as smaller um, and more fearful than they actually were. So this capacity and this desire for courage, but yet at the same time, a tendency to kind of like under appreciate your own strength, your own power, your own authority. When Six was very young, she was very happy. She was very free and she did what she wanted to do without thinking about it too much didn't plan ahead, didn't have all these fears, didn't have all these concerns, didn't let all of this worry and anxiety about what could go wrong distract her away from just enjoying life. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Just having fun. Sounds like your seven wing, all right? Having fun. She had a lot of friends and enjoyed learning and exploring. Sounds like a little bit of the five there. Um, took tests calmly and with confidence was at peace with the world, like that line to nine. As Six grew up, though, she had some unpleasant experiences. Um, you know, maybe, for example, mom forgot to pick her up from school. What am I going to do? They forgot about me. How can I know if I could trust them? They didn't pick me up. Um, or maybe they went to a movie, and the movie had a lot of scary images in it, had a lot of frightening images in it. Or they went fishing, and while they went fishing, they heard coyotes and wolves howling in the woods. And then they had to walk back from the, from the lake to the truck by themselves because Dad had already gone before them. And they walked through the woods, and they heard, they heard noises. There were noises in the woods. And those left an indelible impression on you of, this world is a dangerous place. There's a lot of bad things that could happen. And I saw what happened to those people in that movie. The monster got them at the end. And that could happen to me. And so these experiences early on in life kind of opened your eyes that this world is not all that we might think it is. This world could be a very dangerous and frightening and scary place. I think it's important to say right there, it can be. It really can be. You're not the crazy one, okay? You're not crazy for thinking the world can be a scary place because it can be. And there's a lot of things out there to be afraid of. Okay, so let's not question that. 
Let's just go ahead and accept that, that there are murderers, there are thieves, there are uh, fires, there are tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, there are stock market crashes, there is terrorism, there is all of these terrible things out there. Let, let me say from a Christian worldview, we don't live in the Garden of Eden. We do not live in the Garden of Eden. So there's a lot of things that are broken out there in this world, and you are right. I'm not going to question that. You are legitimate in saying that the world is a frightening place or can be a frightening place and there are threats everywhere. Where the pushback is going to come is, does it help you to stay focused on them all the time? That's kind of where this is headed, okay? Does it help you? You feel like it's helping you, but is it really helping you to try to manage all of those risks and put, and, and you know explore and focus on um, you know, what you focus on is what will probably grow in your life. What you focus on is probably what will develop. Looks like my camera's a little bit. I really focus a lot on being high tech. You guys can tell that. All right. Okay. So um, she started noticing all the things that could go wrong. And sixes are very aware of their environment. You know, we all kind of scan our environment. And I think we scan them for different things. And I think sixes, you know, scan their environment for all the things that could go wrong, for all the potential problems, for all the potential threats. I want you to see that, you know, if you tend to be a problem solver, which five wing six is called a problem solver, sixes are problem solvers. If you tend to be a problem solver, then you tend to frame things as though they are problems. Something for you to pause and think about. Um, think about that line to nine, okay? Nines do not want problems. Nines don't want there to be problems. They don't want to cause problems. They don't want to deal with problems. And sometimes nines need to wake up and engage and see things that are problems as problems and then get busy trying to deal with those problems. So that's nines problem. We'll get there later. But I just want you to see that line between six and nine. Sixes tend to see things that aren't problems as though they are problems, which then makes them a problem. Nines tend to see problems as though they're not really a problem. This really isn't a problem. This isn't something that I need to deal with. This isn't something that concerns me. I just want you to see that there's some kind of like connection there uh, about the way you, re you know, the way you frame things in life. It might help you as a six to see and notice, without judging yourself too harshly, noticing that I do maybe tend to turn things that aren't problems into problems. I tend to have these glasses on that look at things as though they're problems, and that could become somewhat of a problem in life. And the people that are trying to relate to you, um, or the people that are trying to be close to you. So, sixes tend to go out and notice all the things that could happen, all the bad things that could happen. And there's a good side to that. I mean, because of that, you tend to come across as a very concerned person. That's a good word for sixes, concerned. Uh, vigilant. And you might even pride yourself on this, like, I'm a vigilant person. I'm a very, you know, concerned person. I'm a very aware person. Um, and there's a good side to that. You know, I'm going to call you when I need a babysitter because you're going to pay attention. It's like, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Um, nothing will happen to this baby on my watch. You can count on me, Mr. Tom. Um, and I think that has a really good strength about it. 
And it is appropriate in that situation when you're babysitting a child or when you're shepherding a little group of, you know, people around or kids at a playground or something. That has a really good, um, but it's just all the time that could become problematic. So noticing all the things in the world that could go wrong and uh, watching out for those things that could, the bad things that could happen and, uh, you know, viewing the world from that lens all the time or most of the time or much of the time as a dangerous and scary place. The world is also a wonderful place. Notice you got that seven wing right next to you, right? And it's kind of like six and seven are in a little bit of an argument, you know? Six is like, this is a dangerous place out there in the world. You need to be prepared. You need to be ready. Ready for whatever might come. Seven is right next to you saying, this world is a wonderful place. Oh my goodness, it's like Candyland out there. Give me more and more and more. Let's get out and experience all of it. Why are you focused on the negative? Focus on the positive. Why are you focused on what could go wrong? Focus on what's, what's awesome. You know, go out there. And I think blending that line is the goal. Sevens need to lean into that six and sixes need to lean into that seven and learning to blend that thinking a little bit better would be good for both of us. Okay. So one day, Six got very anxious about her performance on a test, and she got worried and imagined, what if I got every answer wrong? Which, if you panic too much, you probably will get every answer wrong. You know, you, you can become a little prophetic if you're not careful. The things that you imagine that could happen, could could happen, because you get frozen. You know that, that fear response, right, of fight or flight or freeze, it might be helpful for you to realize, you probably already know, but realize which one of those do you tend to be like? Do you tend to fight, like get angry? and like, no, no, I'm not going to push this. So you're kind of like a counterphobic, you know, like looked like an eight. I got to push these threats away. Or are you kind of a flight, you know, like I got to get out of here. Like I need to withdraw. Like I need, I need, I need support. I need, I need to move toward other people to help me deal with all this. Or freeze, you know, just like stop might be helpful to kind of realize, you know, that in the middle of that certain failure, ah, I just freeze. Um, well, and then probably you will do bad on the test in that panic state. You know, when your mind is anxious, let's put it like this. When your mind is relaxed, let's, let's, okay. Your, your natural state of where your brain wants to be, I believe, is in a relaxed state. Let's say up here, like, okay, at peace with the world, and maybe as a six, a little vigilant, but but at relative ease and security, at at feeling like everything is okay. You're not, all of us, our natural state is to want to get to that place. But when you're anxious, and when you're worried, and when you're panicked, or when you're angry, and when you're frustrated, when you're upset, um, it affects the way you view the world around you and the way you interact with people and um, the way you see things. Things be feel more problematic here. It's hard to solve problems when you're in this anxious state. It's hard for you to like be in your wisdom state when you're in your anxious state. You, you know as well as I do, right? Like if you when you when you've really been able to solve problems it tends to be when when things are more mellow calm and okay like you know you're walking along next to the lake with holding the hand of your 
your your wife or your husband and you're saying, you know, what do you think we should do about mom? Should we put her in the home? Should we bring her home with us? What should we do with the kids? Should we put them in private school or should we homeschool or maybe we should, what do you think we should do? You, you can solve all kinds of problems when you're in this more relaxed state of thinking. But when you're in this panic state, it's sometimes overwhelming and sometimes you become rash in your judgments and you become like argumentative and you become like, uh, you know, you become like attack and defend in this kind of state of thinking. And I think it might be helpful for you to realize like my goal here at times is not to try to deal with the problem. Sometimes my goal is to move away from the problem and relax my thinking because if I really want to be able to solve problems, I need to get more in that wisdom state of mind rather than that panicked, you know, state of mind. Um, you know, when you when you're feeling all that anxiety and when you're feeling all of that stress and you're feeling all of that tension, um, you, you've probably taken it as a clue or as a cue. I'm not which, sure which way to say that as a cue that I need to focus on this. Of course, I need to focus on this because I'm feeling anxious about it. And you, you tend to observe that emotion as though it's telling you, you need to focus on it. I'm feeling nervous about this, so I need to focus on it. What if you retrained your brain a little bit? You know, what if you, what if you started to read that cue as I'm getting anxious about this. I probably need to back away for a moment. I probably need to back away for a moment. I need to focus my attention on something else. No, I got to stay vigilant. Okay. Remember you make your best decisions when you're in a more relaxed state of mind. So I need to focus my, I'm getting way too anxious. I'm getting way too worked up. I'm getting way too, you know, about this. If possible, how could I move away from this for a moment? Focus my attention on something else. Maybe take the dog for a walk. And a lot of times, you know what happens when you relax your thinking and you relax your state of mind? The answer just kind of comes to you. When you're not like chasing so much a solution, sometimes the solution just pops up. You know, you know you've had this experience where you just go out and walk the dog and you're like, oh, you know what? I should just call Bobby. Bobby said he loves to do that thing. I should just call him. Why didn't I think of that? And you probably wouldn't have got there when you're in that, oh, I got to do something right now. I got to figure this out right now. I got, oh, I need to call. I need to. Da, da, da. Okay. All right. Um, so sometimes you become suspicious of people. You know, what are their intentions? What are their intentions? Are they... Are they planning to turn on me? Are they getting are they trying to wait till my guard is down and then they're going to turn on me? I want I want you to see that sometimes your suspicions um are warranted. Sometimes they are, okay? Let's just say maybe 20% of the time. It it is wise to be suspicious. You know, especially if people give you a real reason, you know, to be suspicious of them. Um but I want you to see that sometimes when you are suspicious of people and you are questioning their intentions, they will pick up on that and it will affect how they now interact with you. And they will probably then start to, to behave in ways that in your mind confirm your suspicions. Because when I show up, okay, Let's say um, we sit down together to play a game, 
and we have a stack of cards. And I play a play card, and I set it down. And then you go, oh, wow, Tom played a play card. Um, I think I'll play a play card, all right? And then I say, oh, okay, you played a play, you know, Susan played a play card, so I think I'll play another play card. And we just had the best time, you know, play cards all day long. Well, what if, let's change the scenario. What if I play a play card, and in your mind you think, you know, I'm not sure what Tom's up to, but I'm pretty sure he's up to something. So I'm not going to be fooled by the fact that he just played a play card. So I'm going to play a fight card. Fight. And so you play a fight card. Because you know I'm up to something. I played a play card like I played with everybody else. But you know I'm up to something. I'm trying to get your guard down so that I can get the best of you. Because you know you've learned, you know, that this world is a dangerous place and people can't always be trusted. And so when Tom plays a play card, you're going to be prepared. You're not going to be fooled. So you play a fight card. Now, I'm a little bit, so Susan plays the fight card. Because she's not going to, I'm not going to get the, Tom's not going to get the best of her. So now Tom is a little bit confused, like, what just happened here? Hold on a second. I played a play card, and you played a fight card? Huh. Wait a minute. Let me try to play another play card and show you that I'm really just trying to get along with you. Which only further confirms Susan's suspicions. Ah, he played another play card. He's really committed to this tactic to try to fool me. He's not going to get the best of me. He's played a second play card because he wants me to lower my defenses and trust him. But I'm too smart for him. I'm going to play another fight card. Which only makes me, Tom, feel like something's not right here. Something's off here. I don't understand what's going on. I keep playing play cards like I do with everybody else. And I keep getting a fight card back from Susan. Okay, it looks like Susan wants to fight. So you know what card I give her next? I give her a fight card. And Susan goes, ah Ha! See? He was going to play a fight card all along. Now, I do that little scenario to show you that sometimes your, your concern, your questioning of intentions, your hypervigilance might at times bring about the very scenario that you are afraid of, is now people are questioning you and people are fighting with you and people are now turning against you and it all started with you being afraid they would turn against you. You were afraid that they would turn against you. And now it's happened, which only in your mind confirms that you were right to suspect them all along. But from the other person's point of view, it was like, what did I do? Why are you questioning me all the time? I'm I'm actually trying to help you here. What, 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 what? A fight card? Whoa. Well, I guess I, I guess you want to fight. So, Okay. All right, I hope that like gets some wheels turning in your mind and maybe helps you 
see things from our point of view. And which is the best I can do, right? Is help you to see things from someone else's point of view. Okay. All right. So as Six grew older, she began doubting the intentions of others. She imagined all the bad things that could happen. She became paralyzed. Again, there's that feeling. Oh, it's terrible. I've only had like waves and pangs of fear. I can't imagine if my actual, you know, um, passion was fear because what little bit of fear I experience feels terrible. So, okay. Paralyzed with fear and doubt. Wanted to feel safe and carefree like you did when you were a little child. Like you did when you felt protected, when you felt secure and safe. But it doesn't seem possible anymore. This world is a fundamentally dangerous place, which I agree with you. I think it is. The only thing that seemed to help was to imagine all... That's a lot to do. That's a lot to fill your mind with. To imagine all the bad things that could happen and then work to make sure they don't. I just want you to I just want you to hear that for a second. What is the focus of your mind? Are you focusing your mind on positive things or negative things? Okay. You know negative things but it's in a goal to keep me safe and to protect my i know i i the goal is great the goal is fantastic the goal is wonderful no one's questioning what your desire is here it's just i want you to see that your the focus of your mind is on all of these terrible things and when you focus your attention on something chances are you'll probably arrive at that Chances are you'll probably, you know, um, what you set your intention on is what you're likely to produce in this world. If you desire to lose weight, let's just say it that way. If you decided, I am going to focus all of my attention, I'm going to think 80% of the day, every day, about how I can get into shape and lose weight. If you could move your brain there, there's a good chance that your body will eventually catch up to where your vision is. All right, so the vision comes first. And if you tend to envision something wonderful, there's a good chance that it's much more likely for it to actually take place in reality because your intention is already moving in that direction. So if your intention and your vision is on all the negative, all the terrible, all the awful things that could happen, then is it any surprise when much of those things actually come true? I'm not saying you're making reality happen. I'm just saying you tend to set your mind on something. And then is it any surprise when, you know, those things that you've focused your attention on actually then do become reality or, you, or, or are seen in your reality? I hope I'm making sense to you. I know I don't say it perfectly, but I'll say a nice sixth thing right now. We're in this together. I'm here to help you. We're in this together, okay? And we truly are in this together. All right, so um, she tried to address the threats by preparing for the worst. Very inventive and resourceful, consumed by fearful thoughts, preoccupied with planning, managing all the threats. Um, you know, I remember somewhere along the way I read this the statement that sixes have an obligation to doubt an obligation to doubt it's kind of like if somebody is trying to pull the wool over my eyes um i need to i need to doubt them 
because the worst feeling is they got me. Oh, they got me. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I didn't listen to myself. I knew that they... That's like the worst feeling, I think, for sixes is... I should have had my guard up, and I didn't. I let my guard down, and they got me, and I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew I knew it. Ugh. It's like you can manage the threats if you can perceive them as threats. But if you didn't perceive it as a threat, like, shame on me. Shame on me. They got the best of me. Why did I ever let my guard down? I was foolish forever thinking and letting my guard down okay i i want you to just okay maybe i'm close maybe i'm not so close but that's what i think is going on all right i just want you to to see that like it's hard to really get close to and love somebody and have intimacy with intimacy with somebody who always has their guard up okay because a lot of people like want you in their fort, but there's this part of you that's like, yeah, when they get me in their fort, that's when they're going to turn on me. That's when they're going to get me. Like, I just want you in my fort. Okay. I, I might not be a perfect brother. I might not be a perfect father. I might not be a perfect son. I might not relate to you perfectly, but rest assured my intentions are to keep you in my fort. And it can be exhausting for us on the other side when we feel like we have to continually affirm our commitment to you. It's hard to love somebody who tends to always be guarded against us. Just saying. We're trying to love you, okay? We're trying to love you so much. Make it easier for us. Yeah, but then... Got me, and I should have known it. I should have known it. Why did I ever? Okay. Safety first. Um. Well, okay. She can imagine the fearful things, and they're everywhere. The wolves are out there in the woods everywhere. Ah! And I think if you're if you're trying to help a six, you know, probably the worst thing you can do is just tell them, oh, I wouldn't worry about it. I think it's going to be fine. I don't know what you're so worried about. Because then that six is going to be like, oh, okay, you are of no help to me. So goodbye. I don't need you in my life. You can't even realize that, you know, we could all get fired here. I think if you want to help a six, come alongside them. Don't tell them that, oh, it's probably nothing. It's probably fine. It's probably going to work out. I wouldn't worry about it too much. That's, you know, what other types would say to a six. I think probably the best thing is to validate their concerns. Because they're legitimate. It's just, do I need to focus on them all the time? No, I don't need to focus on them all the time. And focusing on them can actually bring them about. But we're not going to say all that yet. I think I would just be more like, <clears throat> yeah, you know, you're right. That that really could turn out that way. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. And listen to their fears. Listen to their concerns. If you want to connect with a six, listen to their concerns. Listen to the concerns. Don't minimize the concerns. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. I think it's probably fine. I don't think you're making a big mountain out of a molehill. That's not going to help the six. In their mind, there are wolves in those in those woods. Okay. 
it doesn't help to say, ah, I wouldn't worry about wolves. Wolves are, you know, not that big a deal. No, wolves can kill you. They really can. Are they going to attack us? No, because why? Because I have a revolver. You know, I've got, you know, I've got, you know, a torch. So I'm going to be fine. I've never been attacked by a wolf before. And I don't think it's going to happen right now. But in the mind of that six, like, those threats are real. And they are real. So I think listening to the six openly hearing their concerns and validating those concerns. Like, you know, you're right. Wolves are terrifying. And if they ever got you, they would tear us to pieces. You're absolutely right. I think you're going to connect. If your goal is to connect with, validate those concerns. Help the six talk through the solutions. Um, and I think the six is a problem solver. They will solve their own problem. They're probably smarter than I am, okay? And they've practiced all their life, like all the things that could happen. So I think you don't have to solve their problem for them. You just have to say, yeah, you're probably right. You know, that could happen. What What do you think we would do if something like that happened? Well, and then let them keep going. And what are you doing? You're you're walking them out of the woods into the meadow. It doesn't help them to stand in the meadow and say, hey, I'm out here in the meadow. Everything's great out here. It's sunny. I don't hear any wolves. You should come out here. It's so much better over here. Why would you want to be in the dark woods with all the wolves? It doesn't help to to just yell at them from your perspective. You have to enter into their perspective try to see things the way they see it, and then help them just kind of gradually re- realize, self-talk themselves out of the woods and into a better place. I think that might be a little bit, you know. Also, sixes may want to really feel like you're on their team. Sixes are very team-oriented people, you know. And I've seen this a lot, like in, in coaching couples and coaching people is sixes sometimes they might say it in a lot of different ways but what they're what they're really saying is i don't feel like this other person's on my team and i think any way you can try to affirm to them look i'm for you i am 100 percent on your team i just don't necessarily see things in the form of teams i i tend to see the value in both sides and i'm not trying to be antagonistic against you. I just don't necessarily think in terms of being on teams, but I am 100% on your team. And I think join the Sixes team first and then try to show them the way you see the world. Okay, It's very important, I think, that they feel like you're on their team. And again, there's always that 10% of them wondering if you're going to stab me in the back. It's your own teammates that you need to worry about the most. I remember having an interview with a... um, a football player, a professional football player, and he was a six. And he was just talking about, you know, in his mind, he he envisioned playing pro football like it was going to be, I'll finally be on this team and we'll all have each other's backs and we'll all, and he found it was exactly the opposite. Your biggest threats are your own teammates. Every you know, there's like there's five people hoping that you get hurt so that they will be able to take your position on the field. And it was devastating to him, you know, because he was hoping I'm finally going to be on this pro team, and and we're all going to fight for each other, and we're going to be this. W-. And he realized, oh, it's not that way at all. So I think everything you can do to try to help this six realize, like I'm on your team. You know, I'm for you. 
and I'm not going to try to minimize your concerns. I'm going to try to help you talk through your concerns and give you a place. And I know we throw this word safe place around a lot, but I want to give you a safe place where we can, we can, I'm going to listen to your concerns without like condemning them, without harshly criticizing them, without laughing at them. I'm just going to say, you know, yeah, you're right. If that happened, that would be terrible. I mean, if I got fired, that would be an awful feeling. You're right. Um, if I lost my job, you know, if, if, if I died of cancer, I mean, all these things, yeah, you're right. Those things would be terrible if those things happened. Um, do you think they're, do you think it's likely? And then just move in a little bit with like some soft challenges, you know? Okay. Manage all the threats. Can't stop imagining all the things, the shifty looking eyes of the people around you, the hidden agendas, the ulterior motives, the bad intentions, they're up to something. And again, you play the fight card. What do you expect people are going to play back? (coughs) You love your boss, you love your job, but you play fight cards in staff meetings with your boss. Um, you know, standing up for Marty because Marty won't speak up for himself. So I've got to, I've got to stand up for the underdog and you play a fight card to your boss. Um, what do you think your boss is going to start playing toward you fight cards? And then, aha, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Okay. So six had become a zombie, an intensely cautious, hardworking and security minded zombie, but a zombie just the same. Now here's the checklist. Okay. Here's the checklist. You might be a six. If you've ever, you might be a six. All right. If you've, if you've, I'm doing it like that. Stop. Okay. Center yourself, Tom. All right. You focus much of your attention on risks, dangers, or threats. You allow about 20% of the actual risks in life to occupy 80% of your thoughts. In other words, your mind is over-focused on everything that could go wrong on what did they mean by that, on I don't know about this, uh, what do you guys think about this? 80% of your, your, your focus of your attention is on negative. I don't mean negative like nasty, dirty, rotten. I just mean negative like negative thinking, like negative patterns. You need to observe that about yourself. Like how much time do I really focus on the positive? How different would my life be if I could start my day intentionally focusing on the positive? And saying, you know, I'm thankful for, and list three things. Or, you know, here's three things that I think are going to go right today. Or here's three things that I'm going to try to bring about today that are going to be great. You know, I'm looking forward to. Here's three things I'm looking forward to. So on that commute to work, instead of, oh gosh, this could go wrong. Oh wow, I don't know that I'm going to be able to do this. Oh wow, I bet Marty's going to. Okay, instead of going down that negative path, what if you started with, you know, this is going to be great. And this is going to be great because when I get up to do my presentation, I'm going to kill it. Now, inside, you might be doubting all of that. But, you know, that self-talk, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to do great because I've studied and I've prepared and I've, uh, I got a cat out the back of the window. It, can you hear it? We'll see if that helps. Some of you are like, don't do that to the cat. It's a cat. All right. If I open up my back window, it's just Florida out there. It's like all palmetto bushes and all that stuff. One day I'll have to do a do with with no curtain. Okay. So I just want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. Is it always productive to think in this way? 
Now, it's productive in like managing risks, but what if your goal was to increase production? Okay, let's just switch there for a second. What if my goal was is last year I sold 500 widgets and this year I want to sell 700. Okay, so now look at how now my thinking is moving in that direction. Like what do I need to do to double production or to increase production or to be more effective? That's very different than what do I need to do to not fail? What do I need to do to protect myself? What do I need to do to make sure that nothing bad happens? Look at how the mind moves. So is it always in my best interest? Is it always productive for me to occupy the vast majority of my thinking with all the worst case scenarios? I know you don't do this all the time. So I know I speak in like as if this, I speak as though I know things. Okay, but I know that I I can't put myself fully in anybody else's shoes. You worry about not anticipating potential hazards. You try to forecast all potential problems so that you can prevent them or be prepared to manage them. And again, there's that idea like, I should have known. I knew it. I felt it and I pushed it down and I tried to just suck it up and believe the best and I knew it. And there's this like frustration with yourself, like I'm obligated to doubt and I didn't listen to my own voice and doubt it like I should have. Ooh, you worry about not anticipating potential threats. Like not only are there threats out there that are true, but you worry like there's a threat of not taking the threats seriously enough. Wow, that's got to be exhausting. It's got to be exhausting to be inside that head of yours. Wow, I worry about not worrying enough about the right things to worry about. I remember as a kid, you know, I I would think, I want to go do such and such. I'm a seven. I'm going to get my bike. I'm going to take a couple of dollars. I'm going to go across the busy highway. I'm going to go get candy. That's a normal Saturday for for me as a 12-year-old. And here's my mom. Now, wait a minute, Tommy. Stop and think now, her favorite words. Stop and think. Now, that's a very busy highway. Maybe you should go over to this other place instead. Stop and think. It's always like, yeah, but you know, the bad side is her other favorite phrase. Love my mom. I love her to death. And in a lot of ways, she kind of balanced me out in some ways because I needed to hear that and I needed to think about that. Like, I could get run over by a truck. I could get expelled if I said this out loud. I could end up, you know, scaring my girlfriend away if I actually wear this outfit. I It was helpful, but it's just, I noticed the framework of her thinking was vastly different than mine. You know, this is going to be great. People are going to think it's wonderful. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to work out fine. I'm going to go after it. There's my thinking as a seven. Stop and think, Tom. Now the bad side is, you know, yeah, but you know what You know what the, the, the real problem here is? And it's like, that was exhausting. Um, now, on the other hand, she was valedictorian of her class, and I graduated from high school. I did. I did graduate from high school. mom was a valedictorian so in some ways you know it works for you and when it works for you you keep after it and it does work for you much of the time but it could be working against you you know sometimes as well 
And knowing the difference when your personality is working for you and working against you, that's really what maturity, I think, starts to look like when you realize, oh, wait a minute, this really isn't anything I need to go six on. I think I'm just a six feeling six things and I need to like just let that go a little bit and realize that things are going to be okay. And if they're not, I'm not going to, you know... Hit the panic button or the freeze button or the or the fight button just yet. You automatically question what is said and say the opposite instead. And she's got a funny little note in her book here that says, was your first reaction to argue against that statement? <laughs> Fives can be a little bit like this too. So can eights. You automatically question what is said and say the opposite. What are they really, what are they not telling us? Fives want to know what they're telling us. Sixes want to know what they're not telling us. You habitually stay vigilant and concerned. Good. That's a that's a good thing. It's exhausting. It's got to be exhausting to be on guard all the time. It's got to be exhausting. And it's not even always productive. You know, it may not always be productive. Scanning for potential problems. This makes you feel more tense and anxious than most people. In other words, you get that anxious, tense thinking, right? Remember, your, your line to integration is nine. Peace. A good book for you, by the way, a wonderful book for you, would be Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, okay? This is a book written by a nine. This is the nine worldview to the world. If 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 that nine could, could sit at the top of the Enneagram and look down at six and say, Oh, six, oh, you're doing everything all wrong. Let me help you. Read my book. This would be the book. Okay, so I think if you're a nine, you're going to read this and you're going to be like, yes, 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 it's so obvious. If you're a six, you're going to read this and you would say, oh, that's never going to work. You can't live this way. This is not a real way to live. No, they'll get you if you live like this. I think if you read this, you'll realize I don't think that way. I don't think this way at all, but I wish I could. I really do wish I could think more like this. Look at the title. Don't sweat the small stuff. Oh, whatever's the whatever's going on here, it's not really a problem. It's gonna be fine. Very nine. Okay? And remember, when you're doing well, you look like this. Okay. Alright. Um stay vigilant, more tense. You have a difficult time trusting others, and sometimes even trusting yourself. Now Okay, we could talk for an hour about that. But let me just say from our point of view, who aren't sixes, this gets frustrating for us. Okay? I'm just saying. It gets frustrating for the rest of us. Your inability or your difficulty in trusting us causes us to not trust you. Can you see how that works? In a circle? A loop? Okay? Because you have a hard time trusting me, you project that. It leaks out of you. The way you interact with me shows me that you're not trusting me, which then causes me to really wonder if I can trust you. And now the loop, you know, is closed. And so I just want you to see from our perspective, say, what do I do to fix it? Well, that's not such an easy answer. But let's just keep moving with this information and another video another time. Okay. Um, you try to increase your sense of certainty by questioning what's happening. Now, there's a way in which that makes sense. I want to increase my certainty by asking as many questions as I can. 
okay. And probably when you hear that, you're like, yes, of course, why wouldn't anybody do that? But I want you to see like the absurdity of that as well. I'll be more certain if I constantly ask everything I can ask and question it continuously. Okay, I just want you to see that it makes sense on the one hand, but then on the other hand, it makes no sense. The only way I could be certain about something is to continually question it. Okay, well, if you continually question it, you're never going to be certain about it because you're continually, yeah, but what about this? And what about this? And what about that? And what about the other thing? And what about the other time? And what about, and it's like, okay, at what point, at what point, is it not continual anymore? And okay, I now have come to the point where there's not one more question to ask. And now I'm 100% sure. Do you ever get there? Because my experience is sometimes with sixes is the more questions they ask, they ask, the more unsure they become. So you get to the end of three hours of research only to be more confused now than you were when you started. You know, should I get a vaccine? Which is a hot topic right now. So what do you do? You go on Google, you go on DuckDuckGo, you go watch YouTube videos, you go look at ABC News, you go to Fox News, you go to to whatever underground news sites, you go listen to podcasts, and you listen to 40 hours of, of presentations on is the vaccine safe, and now I'm more confused than I ever was. So I don't know that, you're going to get to the assurance you want always by continually asking questions. All right. You try to control. There's an interesting thought. What are you wanting here? Control? When you're in a world that seems scary, then certainly you would want to try to have some control. Okay, so you want to control what actually does happening by imagining what might happen before you take action. So you imagine all the things that could happen, um, which could cause you to become more afraid. I, I want you to see that. Like, if you imagine the worst case scenarios, you could become more frightened than you were when you started. So how does it help you to become even more frightened and I'm sure in your head it makes sense. I just want you to push back a little bit and see things from somebody who's not a six who would challenge this way of thinking that it's not always working for your best interest. So I'm worried about, is this bridge going to hold me up? So let me imagine all of the things that could happen to me and that's going to make me feel safer? That's going to make me... F or or when it does break, then I'll, as I'm falling into the river, I knew it. I knew it. There'll be that, that at least that sense of relief that I wasn't caught, you know, in, in, uh, with my eyes closed. I knew it was going to happen. And so at least I have that. If I die and fall and drown and splat on the ground, at least I knew it. I'll yell as I fell, you know, all the way to the rocks below. I told you. I knew it. Okay. Um, you believe that unless you mentally elaborate worst case scenarios, you won't feel adequately prepared for them. Now, okay, so that's why I think it can help if you're with a six to let them kind of talk out those scenarios and sort of get to the end of it without rushing them so much. 
listening to their concerns. Again, it can be exhausting for you, but listening to their concerns and letting them kind of get to the end of it to where they at least can now take action or at least until they feel secure enough that they can take action. Um, and then the last one is when something bad actually does happen, you tend to feel calm and competent and suddenly courageous. And that's like the punchline. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Let me read that again. When something bad actually does happen, look who's the most prepared for it. Look who's ready for it. Look who's not panicking. I want you to see how crazy and ironic that is. It's like nines. Back to nines. Nines are so afraid that if they say the wrong thing and upset somebody, that that person will leave them and then they'll be all by themselves separated. And yet, when a nine actually, when somebody does leave a nine... Who tends to be the most okay with going on with life? A nine. They're like, yeah, I mean, it didn't work out. I miss them, but whatever. And it's like the nine just like is the most okay in like moving on in life if somebody actually does leave them. Yet it's their biggest fear is that if they were to speak up and know themselves and make themselves known, people would leave them. Okay, look at the six. Your biggest fear is that something bad would happen to you. And when it does happen to you, you're the calmest person on the planet. You're the most okay to like deal with it. You're like, you go into like this um, EMT mode of like, all right, well, let's handle this. Here's what we need to do. And it's like, wait a minute. Are you kidding me? Why are you so afraid of something you're so prepared to handle? Hmm? Answer me this. Riddle me this. Why are you spending so much of your energy focused on what could go wrong when it actually does go wrong, you're okay in handling it. If you're going to be, why don't you just realize, like, you know what? When things go wrong, I tend to handle it pretty pretty okay. So I don't know that I need to spend a whole lot more time worried about what could go wrong. Because if it actually did go wrong, I'd be fine. I've seen myself under pressure before. And I always come through. And look how... With just that simple thought, like, you start to move toward nine. Like, I guess I can have peace about things. Yeah, why not? Well, what if they get, well, what if they did get you? You'd be, you're, you know yourself. You will, you will, you will expand yourself to manage whatever challenge comes against you. You've proven yourself to be able to do this. So, can you start to trust yourself? Wow, what a great study. What a great study. I enjoyed this study, and um, I hope you have too. And I hope it helps you be a little bit more aware of your tendencies and push back on those a little bit. Recognize that sometimes the personality gets in control of you, and it isn't always working for you. And um, hope you to be more present to, to life as it is around you. Because, let me just, from a sevens perspective, yeah, there is a lot of things out there in the world that are not so great, but you know, most of it is wonderful. Most days are sunny. Some days are rainy. Some days are bitter cold, but most days are sunny. You know, you have three days of rain and you have 15 days of sun. What are you going to focus your attention on? I can't go outside because it might rain. It rained once before and it might rain again. You're missing the sunlight. Come on out into the sunlight. All of us are out here in the sunlight, and we'd love for you to join us in life. All right. See you next time. Take care, guys.